how empty his words must have sounded to her, to Mary, as she walked along the road to the tomb. He had said, I am the resurrection and the life. He had said, I am the bread of life. Whoever eats of this living bread that come down from heaven will live forever. He had said, I am the way and the truth and the life. Words of promise, words of hope, words of of life. And now she walks early in the morning to his tomb. Not even his tomb. A tomb borrowed from another man. Two days previously, a series of Mickey, after a series of Mickey Mouse trials, Pontius Pilate had overridden his own concerns, his own conscience in the face of a baying crowd and had condemned this man to death. They had beaten him. They had mocked him. And then they crucified him on a hill outside the city of Jerusalem. The very skies had seemed to, to mourn. These events and his death, a darkness had come over the land. And his death came quickly, following a final cry. It is finished. And then he was gone. They had come to to hasten his death. They had come to break his legs, to speed up the act of crucifixion. But when they came, they found not a man, but a corpse. They still plunged a spear into his side. But he was gone. No certainty was needed. Loving friends took his body down from the cross and laid him in a tomb. And the authorities placed a a large stone over the entrance to the tomb so that nobody could disturb or remove his body. Dead, buried, gone. That's where we begin Easter Sunday. Despairing of death, despairing of his death. And fearing that the hope of life, of eternal life, has been extinguished, snuffed out like a candle. And yet, As we gather virtually today, 2,000 years on, we find that the flame was not extinguished, that the hope was not burnt out. Because Easter Sunday is all about life. Resurrection life. This time of year is uh, springtime, isn't it? Easter has become synonymous with, with new life in lots of ways. Eggs and chicks. But it's also the time of year and the season where winter's cold arms are being withdrawn and spring's warm embrace is coming. Flowers are budding. There is new life in our natural world. But more than that, Easter is about not just new life, but resurrection life. It's about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Listen now to to his own words. Told to us by John, one of his closest friends, in in his account of the life of Jesus. You find it in chapter 10, verse 10. I have come, Jesus says, that they might have life and have it to the full. 
I have come that they might have life and have it to the full, have it in abundance, or have it to the max. We're going to look simply at the promise of life, the problem for life, and the proof of life. Three Ps. The promise of life, the problem for life, and the proof of life. Are you ready? We'll get started. So firstly, that the promise of life. When Jesus said that I have come that they might have life, what was he saying? Jenny, my four-year-old, five-year-old daughter, get that right? She's uh, learning to, to read and write at the moment. And, and obviously we're, we're doing some homeschooling at the moment. And she and we are discovering the madness of the English language. It's, it's nuts, isn't it? We have so many words that have multiple meanings, and we have so many words that have different spellings and meanings, but, but sound the same. Think of the word saw. I could be talking about something I've seen. I saw that program last night. Or I could be talking about a, a tool, a, a metal blade with a handle used for cutting wood. Saw. Or I could be talking about how my muscles are feeling after my daily exercise slot yesterday. Sore. When we talk about life, we have the same issue. What is life according to us? What what defines and, and marks real life? We could talk about blood pumping, oxygen delivering, brain thinking, We could talk about movement and consciousness. We could talk scientifically, couldn't we? We could talk about life in the same way they talk about life being in in space, on foreign planets, life on Mars. And it's, you know, when we talk about life on Mars, that we're not in any way comparing that sort of life to, to the life we have and experience. Or we can talk about life as in the, the, what it means to really, truly live the full experience of being human. The capacity for life, to feel alive as opposed to just staying alive. Life as in thriving, not life as in surviving. How does Jesus define life? Listen to John chapter 17, verse 3. This is Jesus praying just a a few hours before his death. He says this, Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. This is life, that people might know God. Actually, life is one of Jesus' big themes. And John brings that to us in his account. He says, Jesus says, life everlasting, eternal life is the equivalent of enjoying a wedding banquet. And where the wine is delightful and continual, it never runs out. You can read that story in John chapter 2. Or Jesus says, life everlasting is like a drink of water that that satisfies so much that you never need to drink again. You can read Jesus talk about that in John chapter 4. 
Or, Jesus says, John chapter 6, life everlasting is like a meal that satisfies completely when you've previously been hungry or starving. Giving you what you need to, to survive, but more than that, filling up the very simple and essential desires of our heart. All of those things Jesus has demonstrated and delivered to people in his ministry, in his life. And John has given us those snapshots as we've walked alongside Jesus in John's account. Life that doesn't end in the way that everything good in this life ends. You notice that even the very best experiences that we have end. We might say, I wish this moment could last forever, but they never do. Jesus is talking about a life that is shared. Life comes from having family, having community, having relationships that will not be spoiled or or be separated by death. Jesus talks about life that is secure, one that we cannot spoil, as we so often do with our own selfishness, our own mistakes, our own deliberate self-will. Life, Jesus says, eternal life is to know God. Listen with me how to how one of the uh, the songwriters in the Bible writes the Psalm, Psalm 73, describes what it is to, to know God. He says, yeah, I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel and afterwards you will take me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire beside you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. What is eternal life? Eternal life is to look upon God and to know God and to find that there is nothing else in this world worth comparing. That's how Jesus defines life. And it's that life that he promises for his people, for those who will believe in him. I have come that they might have life and life to the full. So that's what Jesus promises. But there's a problem. So let's look now at the problem for life. I should say, I say there's a problem. I should say there are two problems. There's the first problem of Easter eggs. And then there's the second problem about how much we already have. The first and the major problem is the problem of Easter eggs. Well, okay, actually, it's the problem of of sin, but, but stick with me. Maybe you've already reached that point on this Easter Sunday that you've gorged through two or three or, or maybe more Easter eggs already. We love chocolate, I think, generally, most of us. Uh, and, and Easter eggs are not just chocolate. They are the perfect thickness of chocolate. Um, and maybe you're already at that point where you're enjoying 
and have enjoyed uh, the chocolate Easter eggs. But I want you to think back to when you were younger, maybe you are younger, and you have that moment where you've just eaten too much. You've gone too much too soon. You have gorged yourself and you're getting a little bit sick. That's what we do sometimes, isn't it? With good things. We want too much, too soon. We get things out of balance. Or or maybe your issue is not one um, of, of eating too much, but maybe your issue is that when it comes to Easter eggs, you're not particularly thankful to the person that's given you the Easter eggs. We can reach the point of expecting Easter eggs. Good chocolate Easter eggs on Easter Sunday. And the morning comes and we rip them open without a second glance at the the loved one who has given us this gift. All of our mental and emotional energy is spent on the egg and enjoying the egg. And none of it is given to the giver of the egg. Or maybe you've reached that age where you're earning your own money. And now you can afford to buy your own Easter eggs. And you've been having an Easter egg a week since the supermarket started selling them on, what, January the 2nd, was it? And you've lost that special thrill of Easter chocolate. That that moment of hoping that as you crack open the Easter egg that there'll be extra chocolate in the middle of that hollow egg. Anyway, before I get off on chocolate too much, that maybe that's our problem. That we think we can have everything we want by ourselves. The problem of Easter eggs is the problem of sin. We misuse the good things that God has blessed us with. We disregard the the giver and the creator of the good things and of the good world. And we act as though we don't need God anymore. And in so doing, we rob ourselves of the joy of the gift. That's what the Bible calls sin. And sin brings death. It robs us of life. We don't thrive. We just about survive. That's been the way of the world and the way of humanity forever. Since the beginning, since Adam and Eve. And God has always dealt with sin by death. That's always been the consequence. As we reminded last week, Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The Bible says, as far as the east is from the west, that's how far he has removed our our transgressions, our sins from us. The reason we don't experience life now is because of our sinful hearts. But I think there's a second problem that I want to highlight, and especially for us here in the UK. And this is a problem that we are blinded to what true life is by how rich we are. Now, maybe you don't feel particularly rich. Maybe you look at you know, some of uh, the billionaires and think, well, I'm not rich. Maybe you just look at somebody who lives on the same street as you, but has a, a nicer car and a slightly bigger house. But, but we are rich. I think this coronavirus lockdown has shown us that. 
We are rich. We all have homes to self-isolate in. We all have internet to access online content like this. We all have social media to air our, our frustrations. We all have TVs to entertain us as we wait for life to return back to normality. We have so much, even the poorest of us. And therefore we think we have life. We think that we've, we've got enough by ourselves. We don't need God. We all think we want a little bit more. We want things to be a little bit better. But generally speaking, we think we've, we've got it. And therefore we don't see our need for God to give us life. We ought to, we do well to consider other people in our world and other times during the, uh, the era of the, the slave trade. Uh, the, the African people who would be brought over as slaves. They, they would sing songs, spiritual songs that would echo with their hopes, their deepest hopes for, for life. One of those that England rugby fans sing uh, at Twickenham when the England rugby team are playing, swing low, sweet chariot, coming forth to carry me home. This desire for life, to thrive, not just to survive, not just now, but forever. Our wealth blinds us to the possibility of fuller life in Jesus. Heaven, the idea of heaven is boring to us because we think that we've basically got heaven here on earth. We have no need of God, we think. Let me leave that thought with you. And let's answer, ask the uh, final question. Can Jesus solve the problem of life? Well, our third point then, the proof, the proof of life. And now we're back with Mary walking to the tomb. And she gets there and sees that the stone has been rolled away from the entrance. And she looks in and the body has gone. Where is Jesus? She goes and fetches perhaps two of uh, Jesus' two closest friends, Peter and John, and they come too. I love the, the eyewitness details that we get in John's account. That they're racing to get there and one beats the other, but one doesn't go in. And, and they see as they look in, they see the clothing, the clothing of death. They see the bandages that were wrapped around the body, but they don't see the object of death. The body is gone. John tells us that Peter and John return to their lodgings, their Airbnb. But Mary hangs around. She's devastated by the death of Jesus. And she's been robbed of her chance to, to grieve over the body. To do one last act of kindness. And then angels come along. And they give her the opportunity to express the, the deepest emotions of her heart. To the question of why does she weep? Why do you weep? She says, the body has been taken away. And I do not know where they have laid him. He's gone. And I can't even mourn properly. 
And then there Jesus is, unrecognised by Mary, until he speaks her name. Do you remember what Jesus tells us that life is? This is eternal life, to, to know God and to know Jesus Christ. Well, now Mary does know him. As he speaks her name, Mary, she recognises who he is. And she knows him and she loves him and she embraces him. She throws her arms around him. Jesus is alive. Now listen what Jesus says to her. Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and to your God. Jesus is alive. Death has been defeated. And his message to his friends and his followers is is that his life, his resurrection and his eternal life of knowing God is now shared with them. He's not saying that there are two fathers he's going to or two gods that he's going to. He's saying what is true of me is now true of you. He's saying you've been adopted. My dad is now your dad. This is life. To know God and to know Jesus Christ. To be part of God's family as fully accepted and fully loved, eternally, everlastingly loved children. Yes, to live forever, but but more than that, to live with the good God, to delight in his goodness, to serve at his pleasure, knowing that his will for you, his commands to you are the very best thing for you. To be utterly fulfilled, to be happy and secure and peaceful forever. Life in all its fullness. Given to us by the one who overcame death. Knowing that his desire for us is greater and higher and better than even our own desires for ourselves. Jesus overcame the problem of our sin through his death and through his resurrection. Our penalty, our death has been died for us. And now life has been given to us as we are joined to Jesus in his resurrection life. That we might know God and be with God forever. What is required of us? To believe. To place all of our eggs in his basket. To say, I know that I cannot find this full, this thriving, this abundant life by myself. But Jesus has promised it to me. And Jesus has exampled the the, the reality of this new life by coming back from death. In his resurrection on that first Easter Sunday. Will you, do you believe in Jesus? What does God want for you?
life. He wants you to be alive. Not merely in a blood-pumping, oxygen-breathing, thinking-speaking, moving sort of way, but in a joyful, peaceful, joy-giving, peace-sharing, hope-bringing way. Perhaps you'd like to look more into this. Perhaps you're watching this and uh, you're not a a regular at our church. Maybe you are. But you're thinking, I want to explore this further. Well, let me encourage you. Read John's Gospel. You can find it on the internet. Go to BibleGateway.com. Search for John. And you can read this account. Perhaps you've got questions. Do drop us a line via our Facebook or or email us at uh, office at rotherham.ec. And we'll get back to you. We'd love to chat with you further via Zoom or or WhatsApp or, or whatever. We'd love to tell you more about this Jesus because we believe in him. And we have found life and life in all its fullness. I hope you have a great Easter. Thanks for listening.